Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, good morning, Journey. How are we doing today? All right. Hey, I believe it. Let's hear it for the worship team. They did a great job this morning, didn't they? Wow. So many, so many great songs. I, you know, I wanted to do that thing that a preacher would do, would come up and like quote one line. That line we sing, I just want to hit that. We're going to do that. But there were like 17 of them in the song, so I forgot them. I was like, it was just so good this morning. I was, I was really, really in, in, in the mood down there. But luckily the mic wasn't on, so you got to hear them, not me, while we were singing. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, I'll introduce myself. My name is Brian Shaw. Uh, I get the, the privilege of being on staff here at Journey. I'm a children's pastor. And that's a lot of fun, I got to tell you. Normally, when I'm over there, I spend most of my Sundays in Uptown on this campus. And near the end of the service, uh, as we're starting to wrap things up, I'll say, hey, we need, we need to finish up before the tall people come over and start collecting all y'all. So congratulations, you're the tall people. <laughs> all right, it's good to see y'all. I'll, uh, I'll probably use uh, a, a few different words, longer words than I usually use with our, with our kids over there. But it's such an honor to get to come and be with y'all this morning. And let me start by saying, happy 4th of July. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you get to spend a lot of time with your family and friends and loved ones. And I'm honored that you chose to have this be a part of that time together today. Uh, we've been in this, uh, this, let's say this service, this series, uh, and we're continuing today, uh, in epic, and it, uh, it, it spurred to us uh, from this book by John C. Maxwell, Running with the Giants. We went through this as a staff. It was really good, and the premise of this book, if, you, if this is your first time uh, being with us during this series, is uh, there are a lot of heroes of the faith in this book that are, that are highlighted, some of, the, some of the big ones, and it's as if they're coming down and they're giving us a personal accounting of, of their life and encouraging us to, to keep running the race. And so that's what, that's what the book is. And I think there are still some of these, uh, you could, if you wanted to get one, you would be able to buy one out at the, the next steps area. But uh, so that was the inspiration for this series that we're calling Epic, because these are like giant epic stories from the Bible. Now, a little bit about me. I'm a movie guy. I love movies. Anyone else love movies in here? Awesome, awesome. Now, when I think epic, I think epic movies. So I think of things like Lord of the Rings, just these giant, sprawling epics. And, and that, the last one of those movies, I think, still is ending. It was so long. It was, a, it was an amazing movie. But just great, giants, giant movies, giant films. Epic means big and grand. And then I think, like some, especially in, the, in days gone by, they made these grand movies like Lawrence of Arabia, just a magnificent film. And then other films like... The Ten Commandments, the one with um, Charlton Heston as Moses, and he stood there with that totally realistic beard and wig he had on as Moses, um, and he threw down that, or didn't throw down, he raised up that staff, and the, 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 the Red Sea parted, this giant epic retelling of the, of the story of, of Exodus, and it's just epic. And that's what we've been doing in this story, in this series. We've been talking about all these epic characters of the Bible and some of the big heavy hitters. But today... It's a little bit of a change of pace because I'll be honest with you, if you asked me to list, I don't know, the, the 15 biggest characters from the Bible, the, the most prominent ones, 
this person would not be on the list. If you, if you expanded that list to 25 or 30 or 40 or I don't know how far down the list you'd have to go before we get to the character known as the servant girl, but probably wouldn't be on anyone's list of most prominent characters. No one thinks of this girl as epic, but I'm here to tell you what she did had epic impact. So let's jump in and let's look at the story itself, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. We're in 2 Kings for today, uh, chapter 5. So if you're following along in your Bible, that's where we are. Uh, it'll be on the screens if you're here or if you're watching online, it'll be, it'll be on your screens. And um, I'm going to jump in and read, and read along there. All right, so here we got Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. That's a, that's a pretty big thing to say, but he was. Leper, that's a, that's a flesh-eating disease. That's, that's like a death sentence. That's, that's no great thing there at all. That's not like, but he had a, he had a limp. That's, that's a very big thing. And it goes on to say, now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Naaman's wife, uh, the little girl said to her, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of leprosy. So she says to Naaman's wife, If, if he, my master Naaman, was with this guy, this, this servant of the Lord, that guy would heal him. It's just a tragedy he's not there. So Naaman went in to his Lord, that's talking about the king, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So they've heard what this little girl has to say. It's gotten all the way up to the king and the king is sending his mighty general off to visit the king of Israel, letter in hand. And boy, did he pack for the journey. Check this out. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. All right, that's not an overnight bag. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, check this out. When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of leprosy. Do what? That's, oh, that's all I got to do? I just got to cure him of leprosy? Oh, pff, no problem, right? It's like, are you kidding me? Cure a guy of leprosy. <laughs> and check this out. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking to quarrel with me. Basically, the king of Israel says, I'm getting set up. They've already invaded us before. They've raided us. They've taken our people off. They've done all this stuff. And now he's sending his general with this letter saying, hey, can you cure him of leprosy for me? He knows I can't do that. This is just a pretext to get in a fight with us again when I don't do what he has asked me to do. So he's obviously upset by this. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, 
Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. He didn't even go out to see, didn't even go out to greet him one on one. He just sent a messenger out to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Naaman didn't take very kindly to this. He's a big status guy, right? You're sending me a messenger. Naaman says, but excuse me, but Naaman was angry and went away and saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. So basically he's saying, I thought he was going to come out and put on a show, do a little hocus pocus. I mean, that's what Harry Potter would do if you have a, something, right? As a could blah, blah, Hepzibah or something, right? Doesn't do any of that. And then he starts to get really like, then he starts to get like territorial about it. It's like us versus them kind of a thing. He goes on, he says, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He's basically saying, this guy basically just told me to take a bath. You don't think I know how to take a bath? And our waters are better than your waters. He did everything but stick his tongue out and go, meh. And he's like very angry and very personal about this. But his servants, so he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Pretty amazing. I'm pretty sure he had taken a bath before. So it wasn't the waters. God had done this through Elisha. This is our story. And you notice how much screen time, if that was our movie, how much screen time did the little servant girl get? Like a walk-on part, right? So in preparing for this and looking at this story, like what is this, how do I want to talk about the servant girl? I was looking at some other notes for some other people, getting some insight, and... I was reminded of this story. I've heard different versions of this before, but I'm going to give credit to this pastor. I was reading some of his stuff, Bobby Stoltz. Not our pastor, Bobby, but this, this other pastor, Bobby, reminded me of this story uh, that uh, there was one time this very timid Christian. He was a believer, but he's very timid, very shy, very meek, uh, but he wanted to do the right thing, and so he, he felt like, well, I guess I should do the right thing. So he prayed. He said, God, if you want me to witness to someone, will you please show me who it is? Be very specific, very clear. Make it very easy for me to know who it is I should, I should witness to. Amen. And so later that day, he gets on the bus to go home. And it's just him and the driver on the bus. They're the only ones there. And he's sitting there riding along. The bus comes to a stop. And this big giant of a guy comes on the bus. Just Hulk of a guy, just big, massive, burly dude. And the guy comes and he sits down right next to our timid friend. Who's not at all excited about the concept here. It's a whole bus, 
guy sitting right next to me. No social distancing no going on here whatsoever. And so the timid guy says, I don't care if I'm going to have to walk a few extra blocks. I'm just going to get off at the next stop. But before that can even happen, the big burly guy does something shocking. He bursts out in the tears, sobbing. <laughs> and he starts saying, my life is in ruins. Everything has gone terrible. There's no hope. I have no hope whatsoever. I need to know the Lord. Is there, someone needs to show me the way to the Lord. Is there not anyone that can show me the way to the Lord? <laughs> and the little timid guy sitting there sees this. He goes, oh. And he leans over and he prays. He says, dear God, is this the sign? Now, I may not be a rocket scientist, and I hate to presume, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, that was the sign that you should, you should witness to this person. But it actually illustrates a point that I think we see the opposite from in our servant girl here. And that's this. This guy was kind of putting on the pretense of wanting to be what he perceived a believer to be. So he asked the right question. Can can you show me who, can you show me what I should do, who it should be? He asked for the thing, who should I witness to? But then when the moment arrives, and it was standing right in front of him, practically dripping tears on him, when the moment presented itself, what he really wanted to do was find an excuse to step away and not have to do it. He asked for more clarity so when the moment to speak out and step up was right there, he chose to step away and be quiet. But that's not what we want to do. That's not who we want to be. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all find ourselves doing that from time to time. We'll see something going on in our sphere of influence. I'm not talking about things that make us mad on Facebook from a distance or on the news, in our own lives, we'll see something. And we have an opportunity, when we're honest with ourselves, hey, I could speak into that and I could, I could make a change. And yet we don't. And why is that? Well, there could be lots of reasons. Maybe it's because we're afraid. We might, hey, that's, that looks like a volatile situation. If I step in, it might blow back on me. I'm, I'm actually afraid for, for something there. It could be that we're indifferent. We could look at this situation and go, it's not really affecting me. I don't care. Why should I step in? It could be that we're being selfish. Maybe whatever's going on is keeping the spotlight off of me, so I'm fine with that happening. Maybe we just have a lack of faith. Maybe we don't believe that what we have to say would matter. We couldn't change anything. Who's going to listen to me? I mean, yeah, I know what the truth is. I know, I know what they need to do. I know, what, I know I could help, but no one's going to listen to me. I, I don't matter. For whatever the reasons are, we let the moments come and pass by without ever speaking up or stepping out. But not this little servant girl. This little servant girl, she didn't do that. Now, I want to be completely honest. When we read the Scripture, we don't get a lot of details about this girl. So I can't tell you with authority what her internal monologue was. But we do know a lot about her from these few lines. We do know that she was from Israel. She had been stolen away. And she had been brought into the home of her captors, the general 
of the army that had stolen her away. And now she was working in service to that man's wife. And we also know that that man had a crippling and terrible disease. And this young lady knew a guy that was a servant of the Lord that she believed could heal him. And what we do know is this. There's plenty of reason to think maybe, just maybe, she might have mixed emotions about that. After all, these were her captors. And now he's afflicted with a terrible disease. Without speculating anything else, we know that that, that could be complicated to sort through. But we also know what she did. She spoke up. And she made just one small little act. She spoke up and said, I know a guy. It's a shame he's not with him because that guy would, would be able to heal him. And because of that one small act, a huge difference happened. A huge difference happened. And everything else we read in that story happens because that girl spoke up, did that one thing. And that's kind of fascinating to me because I look at it and go, well, what would I do? It reminded me of this, there's this television show. It's been on for many, many years. Uh, I believe it's ABC that, that does it. It's actually called, What Would You Do? Anyone ever heard of this or seen this show before? All right, a few people down here. Awesome. Uh, I'll explain what it is for the rest of you. So it's, it's, a, it's a news program. I think it started with 2020, just a segment, and they turned it into its own show. But basically what they do on, on the show, What Would You Do?, is they will go into a regular, common, everyday environment, like a restaurant or a park or a convenience store or any kind of just place where you and I may, may find ourselves as just regular person living out our lives. And then they put a couple of few actors into that place and they play out a scenario that is, let's just say, uncomfortable for the people to witness. It could be um, a, a customer being very rude and belligerent to their server. It could be um, a couple at a table. One of them gets up to leave the table, and the other one takes a phone call, and you can tell they're talking to uh, a boyfriend or girlfriend that the wife or husband doesn't know about, and everyone around them sees it. Or maybe it's somebody being rude to a person because of their race or their ethnicity or something like that. And they set these scenarios up so it doesn't involve anyone else in the room, but everyone else in the room knows it and sees it going on. And then it poses the question, what would you do if this was going on around you? And then they'll flip-flop things. Maybe they'll change whether it's a guy in it or a girl in it and see if it changes how people react. And it's all, it's all very fascinating. Then at the end of the, the end of each of one of these scenarios, they do something really cool. They interview people that were in the room. And they ask them, you know, why did you do what you did? And you get these really fascinating answers. You'll get people saying, well, I just didn't think it was my place. Yeah, I saw the way he was talking to her. I saw what she did, but I just didn't want to get involved because I didn't think it was any of my business. Or... You'll see someone say, hey, I had that happen to me, and I, I'm, I would never want that to happen to someone else, so I had to step up. Or you'll get someone say, hey, my mama and daddy would whoop my behind if I let a man talk to a woman like that, so I had to stand up and say something. You get all these different answers, and you also get people saying, I'm actually very ashamed 
If you had asked me before this what I would do, I would have said, there's no way I would let that go on in front of me. But I just sat there. I didn't do anything. I don't even know why I did it. I can't believe I didn't do anything. It's just fascinating because the people are in these real scenarios. Now, here's what's great. As a viewer, I get to sit at home and just watch it and say, well, you know what I would do. And I always have the perfect answer. I've never seen one where I thought I would have handled it wrong. I would have handled it perfectly. But I'm at home watching. There are no cameras on me. I don't have to prove it. I don't have to put up or shut up. I'm just watching it. Well, this story that we're talking about here, our little, our servant girl, it's a scenario like that, except obviously there weren't cameras and it's not a made-up situation. But it's a great example for us to say, what would we do? So let's put ourselves in that scenario. Let's put ourselves in, in that young lady's circumstance. What would we do if we were that servant girl? We're a young girl who's been stolen away from my home. I've been ripped away from my family, everybody I know and I love, the place I live, and I'm brought to this foreign land. And now I, what I'm supposed to do is serve the people, serve the wife of the man who led the army that is supposed that, that took me away. Now I'm supposed to be a servant in their home. I'm supposed to take care of her and her needs right here in the home of my captors. And guess what? That guy now has leprosy. I would be very tempted to go, ha, serves you right. Man, did you get justice. You got what's coming to you. I would, listen, I like to think I would be like the servant girl. I would rise above it. I would look on him with compassion and charity. And I would think, whoa, despair for this man. Charity from my heart. But I also know what I'm like when someone just cuts me off in traffic. <laughs> right? Right? And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't take much to get me from zero to 60 in a traffic situation. When honestly, they're probably doing things better than I'm doing them, and I'm still mad at them. I can't even begin to imagine what it took for that girl to look at that guy and not see her captor, but instead to see someone that needed healing and feel the compassion and speak up. Because keep in mind, what's not really pointed out here, but it's, it's implicit is she didn't have to speak up. Just like the people in that TV show, no one demands that they do anything. They get to choose to step in or not and no one thinks anything else of it in, in, in those real-world scenarios. And we face these all the time. But this girl, no, one's, no one said, he's, he's got leprosy. What should we do, little servant girl? No, no, no. She had to step into that situation. She had to speak out or step up. Luckily for Naaman, she was there and not get mad at someone not using their turn signal right guy. I wasn't there. This little servant girl was there because she spoke up and because of what she said, Naaman finds out about the man who is a man of God that can heal him and goes there and dips in the waters finally and he's, he's healed. He meets this guy that we later read through here is known as Elisha. Now, just as an aside, I should tell you a little bit about Elisha. Elisha was the leader of the prophets, the lead prophet in, in, in Israel at this time, he, he directly followed the prophet Elijah. Not to confuse anybody, Elijah 
preceded Elisha. Elisha had done great things. Elisha had actually, he raised a young boy from the dead through the power of God. He parted the Jordan River through the power of God. He did all these great miracles. So what we know is that um, this servant girl would have heard about him and known about his deeds. And she heard these stories and she was convinced that Elisha could bring healing to the man that was now her master. And she wanted to see her master healed. And again, it's worth pointing out, Naaman was a great man. He had probably had every opportunity that man knows to try to fix leprosy. He probably had the best doctors, the best healers. He probably tried everything. He probably had checked WebMD twice. He probably had done everything. He had Googled it. He, had, uh, he was probably old enough. This was a long time ago, so he probably asked Jeeves. Anyone old enough to remember that one? Uh, you told on yourself. You told on yourself. Uh, for those of you who are younger, before Google, there were other search engines. Um, but to be clear, he had everything going for him. He had the job. He had the status. He had the wealth. He had the ear of the king. He had everything but not one thing about his status, his stature, his wealth, anything could solve the one giant problem he had. He had a crippling disease that there was no cure for called leprosy. And there was nothing he could do about it. So even though he was successful, there was nothing that could happen. But amazingly, this guy with all of that going on, he's operating at a pretty high level. He hears from a servant girl and says, we should do that, and takes that to the king. Now, maybe he was operating, he was grasping at straws at this point. I'll, I'll do anything. But it doesn't matter because he does it. And as we see earlier, he goes, because of what this girl says, this one small step up, he goes and he is healed. And then uh, in verse 15, we read this. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. This pagan king, leader of men, conqueror of lands, came to know the living God because one little girl spoke up in the easiest way possible, just did a simple gesture, say, I know a guy. How many of us know a guy in our lives? I see it all the time on Facebook. Hey, I'm about to move, and I need someone to come and do some painting at my house to touch things up because we're going to put our house on the market. Anyone have recommendations? <laughs> 75 people, listen, I know this guy, I know that guy. I'm having some trouble with my electrical. Anyone know a guy? Uh, everyone, I know a guy, I know a guy, I know a guy. If we're believers, we know a guy. This little girl, she knew a guy. And she didn't just keep that information to herself. She made sure the man that needed to know had an opportunity to know that guy. She spoke up. So we have this story. We've looked at it backwards and forwards. 
Now let's look at what does this have to do with our life today? What can we do? What can we do with this story today? All right, well, the first thing I want to talk about is this right here. One, we have a powerful witness. If we are believers, if we know the Lord, if God is God of our lives, we've accepted Jesus and we ask to live by the power of His Spirit, we know what that has meant to us. And we have a witness that we can share with others around us. Now, there's nothing exceptional about this girl. But this is a good thing. This is interesting because if you read through Scripture, God loves to work through what I call no-names. All these no-names. And this girl qualifies because guess what? We literally don't know her name. But even but go even further than that. Most of the people that we know, like I was talking about the big name, the heavy hitters from the Bible, they're only big name heavy hitters because God used them. They, most of these people had no name, no stature, other than the fact that they were used by God. God loves to use no names. And this girl was definitely a no name. But we should be able to apply this to our lives because sometimes we will compare ourselves to names or prominence and in comparison say, well, I'm not that, therefore it's not my, do- it's not my dog to, get to, to fight. What did I, just- I made up a saying that's not a saying. I have no dog in that fight. Take two. All right. We're comparing ourselves to greatness, but God's the greatness, not the person. Don't give the glove the hand. Don't give the glove the credit for what the hand's doing, right? So take 75 on that one, right? So bottom line is this. We have a testimony. We have a testimony. And testimony literally is telling our story. Now, we may not have a platform like a prominent, uh, like Billy Graham of years gone by, who preached to millions, or famous people like today, an Andy Stanley, a T.D. Jakes, or, or even like great athletes that have a lot of influence. But the, here's the thing. God doesn't care about that. God is not impressed with your intelligence. He's not impressed with your status. He's not impressed with the job that you have, how many people report to you, your 401k. He's not impressed with your ability to grill or not. He's not impressed with your social media following. He couldn't care less if you're TikTok famous. What he cares about is, are you willing to follow him and step up and be obedient when the moment arises? Will we step up or will we not? And if I could get bold enough to say this for a second or two, if we know God in our lives and He has changed our lives, there's one thing that we have to be honest with ourselves about. There is a dark and dying world out there that every day we're seeing example after example after an example that is exchanging truth for a lie and they desperately need to know the truth that we have in our hearts. And if we are not willing to share that truth with people, it's the same thing as a physician that has the pill that will cure a person, putting it in his pocket and going out to the golf course and leaving someone to be sick and die. We have the healing ability that we're keeping to ourselves if we don't share it with anybody else. And this little girl was a great example. 
She did not hold it to herself. She spoke up and stepped out. And guess what? It was nothing prominent. She wasn't on a stage in front of thousands of people. She just, her heart broke. And she said, man, I wish, I wish he could be with the God that knows how to heal him and, and shared it. And he was eventually healed because of it. The question becomes, are we going to be like the servant girl when the moment's in front of us, say what we know, share what we can know, or are we going to be like that little timid guy on the bus when it's right in front of us and we choose to say, yeah, but I'm not quite sure. It's, you know, I don't, I don't want them to take it the wrong way. I don't, want to, I don't want to offend anybody. They may feel differently about it than I do. I'm afraid of cancel culture. Whatever it is, whatever excuse we make up to run away. Because here's the truth, and this is the second point. We all have an audience that needs to hear about God. If we are a believer, we have an audience that needs to hear the message that God loves them. And we will exchange the truth of what the reality is for a lie. This, this whole summer, we've been teaching our kids in Journeyland. Our whole, our whole summer's been about this key word, this life application word that we call confidence. And our definition of confidence has been this. We need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Live our lives by seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. And God sees us this way. He loved us so much, He sent His Son to die on a cross for us. And if we have that confidence in our life, we should be willing to share that with other people. Because if He loves me that way, guess what? He loves you that way too. And we have people in our lives that need to hear that. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying everyone today... Go grab you a poster board, get you some paint, make you sign, and then stand on a street corner and scream at people, turn or burn! Turn or burn! Because every time I see that, my heart just melts and I want to run to the Lord. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this. If you're honest with yourself, when you lay your head down on that pillow at the end of each night, you're going to know if there was an opportunity to be that servant girl that you handled like the servant girl would have or you handled like the timid guy on the bus. We know it. We know it. There's a check in our spirit. We'll know it. We'll see it. And if, we, if we're like this girl, all we're having to do is something as simple as just make that introduction. Hey, I know a guy. Can I tell you about it? Can I tell you about him? Can I tell you what he did in my life? Because maybe... Maybe you should, you should try to know him too. And we're going to close, get, get in here and close on this third point. Third point is this. God wants, and what, what does it all lead to? It leads to this. God wants our love for him to show in the way that we treat others. If we love God and we profess God, like that little timid guy, I love you, God. You tell me? If we love God, it should show in the way we treat others. I know Bobby's talked about this before. We talk about it in Journeyland all the time. It's a, a, way of, a way of saying it is we need to love God and love others. And it comes from this verse in, in Matthew 22. It says this, uh, 22, 35 through 40. It says, um, oh, by the way, in this scenario, Jesus is getting questioned by the religious leaders of the day. They're always trying to trip him up, trying to mess him up. So they're trying to get him. They're trying to lay a trap for him. And it says this, and one of them, a lawyer, 
asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We sum it up by saying love God and love others. In Journeyland, we teach it in this way. Me to God. I should love God. I should be about this. And then as I live my life out, I should love others. I get this part right, and I express it with the way I love other people. And that is the cross. Love God and love others. We'll close with a challenge here. So if you're a believer, maybe you've wrestled with this. Maybe there's someone that you know, if I asked you right now to write it on a piece of paper, you would know a name to write down. I'm not asking you to do that, but you know there's somebody or some folks that you just haven't been that servant girl to. You haven't spoken into their lives. You know, I feel like I'm supposed to be saying something to these folks and I'm not. I just want to encourage you, take that step. Because that servant girl, she spoke out of concern and care and love more than she spoke out of fear or selfless or selfishness or indifference. She put all of that human stuff away and she let her love of that man, regardless of how he had ever treated her, she let her love and concern for him be what caused her to act. If that's you, I would just, I would just challenge you to, to be that servant girl. Don't be, the, don't be the timid guy asking for the 75th example of who you should talk to and just step out in it. And then also, maybe there's this. Maybe some watching today or some of us here in this room or watching over in the atrium, maybe some of us, maybe some of us are naming. Maybe we've heard the truth many, many times. Maybe someone brought you here today or has caused you to be watching this right now and you've heard about this Jesus guy, but you haven't really decided you're going to do anything with that. Or maybe you've been taking half measures. Maybe you've been coming up with excuses. Maybe the person didn't meet you at the door, therefore you're not really going to follow Jesus. Like Naaman wasn't met at the door, so he really, really wasn't going to take the advice. But maybe it's time to quit operating in your feelings. And maybe it's time to just step in the water and be clean. And that comes from accepting Jesus. Maybe you've heard it enough, but maybe it's time to step out in it. Today is July 4th. We call it Independence Day. And I can promise you this. There is no greater, no greater freedom you will ever fear, feel. There's no greater freedom you'll ever feel than the freedom of knowing Jesus in your life. Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you for this servant girl. Thank you for her example. Thank you for the love that she showed. And thank you for the exceptional, the epic things that you did because of it. Thank you for using 
Her one step to heal Naaman and cause him to know you and to cause lives to be changed. Thank you for putting that story in your word so that years and years and years and years later, we can hear that story today and know about you and your love. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for giving us your son Jesus as a savior. And thank you for the opportunity to share him with others. I pray for each one here that we would either know you and then therefore have the boldness to share you and treat others with that love in our lives, in our everyday lives, regardless of status, regardless of platform, regardless of anything that we might make up as an obstacle. I pray that we would live a life that shares you with the world around us and we would live in the truth that small acts in your name make huge differences. And Father, I pray for those who may be listening and hearing this right now that haven't accepted your son Jesus, that haven't turned their lives over to you. I pray that the, that the running would stop and the embracing and the acceptance would begin even right now, even in this place or any place that someone is seeing or hearing this. I pray that right now, lives would be given to you and that you would change them in exceptional and epic ways for today, tomorrow, and eternity. Because we know that's the truth of your heart and your word. I thank you for each one that is here today and heard this message. And I thank you for your son, Jesus, our Savior. And I ask your blessing over each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.